0: Hello and welcome to another out of spec podcast episode. You join me and Brandon and we are getting nerd level 9,000 because we are going and talking about DC fast charging. Maybe we'll talk a little AC load sharing, but DC Mm -hmm. fast charging, load sharing, load balancing, simultaneous charging, dual charging, balance charging, whatever you want to call it. We're talking that management. Yeah. There's so much going on here, but you know, uh, Brandon, we were talking in a previous episode where you were in mm-hmm. North Carolina with your R1T and you were at a EVGO Delta unit and it had a very mm-hmm. weird sharing strategy. We've also seen other chargers do mm-hmm. weird sharing strategies. So do you want to give us a high level overview of what we're even talking about to our audience who may have no idea what we're discussing?
1: Yes. So essentially load management is typically used in cases where you're oversubscribing on power output theoretically in nameplate, but you have a grid connection that's not necessarily matched to the total potential power output because of what's called a diversity factor and just inherent characteristics of how EVs charge and that the likelihood of having, say, four Tycons show up all dead at the same station is near zero. Sure, it could happen and one vehicle or two vehicles might have a slightly degraded performance but it's nearly impossible that that will happen. So that's where uh, charger management and load management comes in.
0: Right. And from a cost perspective, because think of it this way mm-hmm. if you pay, and it's not this simple in the real world, but if you pay a certain dollar per kilowatt of charging power, you want to make sure you can use most of that available charging power yep. most of the time. And so mm-hmm. what companies will do is they'll end up putting in, you know, four or six or eight. 350 kilowatt chargers that with one car plugged into those, it'll get 350 kilowatts with two cars plugged in. Maybe it drops in half for that particular brick. Now there's two types of load sharing in general. There's entire site load management. And we filmed a video at the Sortimo fast charging park, Tesla version three superchargers, are entire site load managed to an extent and You know, this is really, I think, the future and the way to do it. But then we get to installations like the new Electrify America installs, like the EVgo Signet and Delta installs. These are things that people will probably be running up to in common, Mm -hmm. like ChargePoint CPE 250s and paired configuration, where Mm -hmm. it's not the entire site that shares power, rather just an individual section. A couple chargers are linked. Version Mm -hmm. two supercharging is just like that as well.
1: Yeah, and there's another layer to that, and there's actually DC microgrids within that site, and we can touch on that when we get to Tesla Supercharger V3. But the most common you'll most likely see are the EVgo or the Electrify America with the either uh, balanced charging, as Electrify America calls it, or what EV calls or EVgo calls, their simultaneous charging, and they're either Signet or Delta units. The Delta units have this, both CCS outputs on the same dispenser. Uh, But the Signet units have two dispensers just hooked up to the same either single or paired uh, power cabinet configuration. Uh, So what happens with those is if you have one vehicle hooked up, you'll get full power, 350 kilowatt, assuming your vehicle can take it or up to 500 amps, maybe more depending on the vehicle, (laughs) if it asks for more. Um, But you can also have the Delta units and those have a weird power split. So those, if you have one vehicle hooked up, you'll get up to 540 amps or 500 amps on most vehicles with CCS. But if you have one vehicle plugged in that's getting over 200 amps, there's only a second channel that can do up to 200 amps. So you could potentially have one vehicle doing 500 amps and a second vehicle doing 200 amps is the maximum output of that station. Which means if you have, like what I've experienced myself, A Mach-E getting 210 amps at a pretty flat part in its curve for a good 15 minutes, and I plug in my Rivian next to it, I'm only getting 200 amps. And that is a very frustrating experience, even though there's tons of power conversion capability
0: right so you're just leaving power on the table in this case so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean let's get into these uh you know these single cabinet sharing situations right this Mm -hmm. is what we're mostly running into in america before we get to the dc microgrids um Mm -hmm. why is it that a version two tesla supercharger right now i guess they both go half split there's no longer priority when you have one tesla plugged Mm -hmm. in It'll get 150 kilowatts. When another one comes, it brings you both down to to 75. Rivian Adventure Network, by the way, works the same way. They can string up to three. Mm-hmm. You can get full power mm-hmm. on one, 150 kilowatts if two are in, and only 100 kilowatts if three are in. And so mm-hmm. really rough charging when you're charging multiple cars. What's going on with the yeah. Delta where there's power on the table? Why, why can't oh. it do the full split?
1: so my suspicion most likely is that it's uh wire size limited or bus size limited on one of the two ends because you don't want to size it for a thousand amps because that's going to be some big boy wires that's probably 750 mcm wiring i mean consult consulted nec chart for the actual uh, wire sizing but it's big wiring for a thousand amps and that's just not that practical. And realistically, you're probably not going to encounter that very often, but you could have it that it has better modularity of balancing those two. So you could have a 700 amp limit. That's pretty reasonable, I'd say, on that type of scenario. But be able to split it, say 300, uh, 400, or 350, 350. I think doing 50-50 is probably the most fair. That way, everyone's just limited the same amount or have the ability to do higher current than is necessarily required for the power level. So like on an ABB Terra 184, for example, even though it can do 180 kilowatt to one vehicle at 400 amps, or it can do um, 90 kilowatts to each vehicle, if it's sharing power, it can actually do up to 300 amps on each output. So it actually increases the total current output to 600 amps total. If it's doing two vehicles at once but that's an all-in-one mm-hmm. unit so it's a little bit different as far as you don't have the wiring going from the cabinet to the dispenser
0: right you don't have that long run because everything's just right in mm-hmm. that one little box which is really nice i do like that a lot yes so Yes.
1: it simplifies installation quite a bit
0: what we've noticed is if you look at alpitronic units i believe they're in 75 mm-hmm. kilowatt bricks each charging manufacturer of the hardware not again Mm -hmm. not the station operators they're just buying the hardware uh, will have different load sharing characteristics some are cable limited Mm -hmm. and I want to touch on CPE 250 some are limited because of the way that they can actually split the bricks in the actual charger Mm -hmm. and the reason you can't just infinitely control all of this is because for DC charging the actual charger needs to match the exact pack voltage of your car and then dump in yes. the current. And with two cars, you'll have different voltages, and there's no way to have multiple output voltages mm-hmm. on one charger in the brick. Now, some will do probably 100 kilowatt bricks, maybe 150 kilowatt bricks, some will do 30 kilowatt bricks. In general, mm-hmm. I would think the smaller the actual charger brick in terms of power, the more infinite control you can share between the two cars. Is that right?
1: Not necessarily. So, in theory, yes but you need the switching matrix to go along with it because if you don't have enough channels or different configurations to connect those different channels, you're only going to get as many outputs as you have switching matrices for. So essentially those are contactors that are connecting the different power modules to the different output channels. And for example, ChemPower does this quite well. So they have 50 kilowatt bricks, but they're 25 kilowatt channels but they can either do four or eight outputs and they can modulate it in 25 kilowatt increments. So they, I don't know the exact details of their switching matrix, but they have a pretty fine level of granularity in that switching matrix versus a lot of other chargers that simply are just doing a fixed split or maybe just like uh, maybe half the power modules or a third or something like that, depending on the thing. But another level to this is that you can actually oversubscribe essentially on the power modules themselves. So even if you don't have the switching matrix to do it, you can just adjust the power that's available to the power modules by restricting the current input to them. So you could essentially have a 300, you could have a 300 kilowatt charger, but you could have four 87 and a half kilowatt, uh, power modules. And that is, I think that's what, 175 kilowatt. So you can't actually use all four power modules at their full power output, but it gives you more modularity in adjusting that power op- output to two vehicles. So say you, you have one at 125 and one at 175, and you're still getting the full output of that station. Right. Yep. Yeah,
0: totally. That 100% makes sense. What about in the, a little bit of an opposite configuration, which is when we look at charge points Mm -hmm. units, which are very Mm -hmm. popular with the government funding situations, with the state fundings, I should say, that are going in Mm -hmm. and putting in all this, this units. And they They, drive, they have a strong sales team, (laughs) right? Really good sales team. Um, So you're basically, if you put one in, you get 62 and a half kilowatts. If you put Mm -hmm. two in, you don't actually get 120 kilowatts, unless you're at a very high voltage pack car, like an Mm -hmm. IONI 5 or something like that. Why is it when an average car, Mustang Mach-E, 4 uh, even mm-hmm. Taycan to an extent, rolls up yeah. to a CPE 250 in a paired configuration, which most of them, mm-hmm. maybe let's say 50% are, you mm-hmm. get, you know, what, why can't we get the 120
1: plus kilowatts that it says on the display? So you're actually current limited. So there's two factors that go into how much power your vehicle receives. So there's your pack voltage, which the station has to match, and then it applies the current to, then you get your charging voltage. And that's how you're actually charging the battery, essentially. And you can have 125 kilowatts of power conversion capability, but if you don't have a cable that's rated for the current that's necessary to output that 125 kilowatts, so 125 kilowatt divided by 200, which is the cable limitation on a CPE-250 that's the pack voltage you have to be at in order to actually receive 125 kilowatt. And with most vehicles sold today being in the 400 volt class, so that's as low as high 200 volt on a really dead lower 400 volt car, all the way up to potentially like 450 volts on a nearly full uh, Rivian BMW i4 iX. So that's a really wide range. If you're only at say 300 volts, you're only getting 60 kilowatt. If you're at 450 volts, you can get 90 kilowatt. And if you're at 600 plus volts, you're getting 120 plus up to 125 kilowatt.
0: And So the way the the charge point CP250
1: is set up, they have 30 and change kilowatt power modules, two of them per unit, and then they have a DC bus between them if they're in a paired configuration. So in theory, they could do about 300 amps of output if they had a cable appropriately sized or if they used what's being becoming a lot more common, a boost functionality of sorts on the cable to allow it to do over its nominal rating for X amount of minutes or up to certain temperature and then it derates. And I think that would probably be the most appropriate strategy for this hardware in particular because they do want to have the 200 amp cable because that's just a common cable size and is pretty readily available. and. Generally makes sense whether it's in a paired or single configuration, but you want to be able to get that full power at least briefly because most vehicles aren't going to get 125 kilowatt for their entire charge curve, probably a few minutes, or you have a Rivian that can do that for like a good 40 minutes, but that's not the norm.
0: (laughs) Right. Totally agree. And that's the frustrating thing here is that these charge point CPE 250s can output more current than we're able Mm -hmm. to get purely because of the cable. But cable limitations aren't Mm -hmm. unique. I know the Delta units are cable limited. There's other units that are definitely Mm -hmm. cable limited, but the Mm -hmm. cost is so extreme and the lead time can be so extreme that like it's almost Mm -hmm. like one of our biggest issues to DC charging here are cables.
1: Oh, by far. And I mean, I think that's a little bit where the whole argument for Tesla's NACS connector comes in to an extent. Doesn't really solve the problem per se, but in theory, it's at least a bit more durable and easier to use, and you're less likely to break latches, you're less likely to drop it and break the surround on the DC pins, and in theory, it could be more quickly produced or be more readily available.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many possibilities. But so that's that's really, I think we've covered pretty well, you know, the... I would mm-hmm. say single cabinet, dual cabinet, single post, dual post installation type. Mm-hmm. What happens when we think about this more holistically and you do a total site load manage, because mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter which plug you plug into. You can all park next to each other. Uh, you know, it, it's a free for all mm-hmm. at that point. You could have a bolt charging at 50 kilowatts and some dude getting 350 and you're not mad that someone took a 350 mm-hmm. kilowatt charger and a car that can only charge at 50 kilowatts. What, what, who's doing this? What's, what are the benefits? And I think most importantly, what are actually the drawbacks for doing a full connected
1: system? So let's start with some drawbacks here. So first of all, cost. So realistically, you're having more nameplate capacity than you're actually able to use at any given time. And with that, you have the cable costs because you have the higher output stations. Generally, I mean, you could do it on a lower power site, but you probably aren't going to because a lower power site or a smaller site is a lot more likely to actually be at full name plate capacity. Um, so you're essentially leaving power on the table at any given point, even though realistically, you probably wouldn't be using it anyway. But as far as pros go, there's quite a few, I would say. Uh, it allows you to use whatever unit you want and not have to worry about, is this one going to give you the most power? Assuming you have a site of, all the same units and you can just pick whatever one you want. Uh, you can move it around. So there's, you can either do it with uh, cloud-based load management, or you can do it with a local site controller. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. But the biggest pro to doing load management on a site level is that you can manage your uh, grid connections. So there's two reasons for that. One, it saves you money on demand charges if that's a big factor. Demand charges can either be a really big factor or not as big of a factor. I mean, there's demand charges that are as low as $2 or $3 a kilowatt, which isn't a big deal. Or there's some that could get close to $20 a kilowatt. And that becomes a big deal at a high output site. But also in today's supply chain constrained world, uh, having a smaller connection allows you to get a smaller transformer, which might be a lot shorter lead time or a shorter time for the utility engineering or if they need to bring in additional capacity to that site, if there's just not available grid connection or grid capacity, to even connect to, then you can at least get the site open. And even if it's not a hundred percent, you at least have something as an interim solution and can get it open faster, which is, I think should be a huge priority for everyone installing DC fast charging is get it open as fast as possible and kind of do what you need to do. And if you need to fix things in a few years as the market evolves well that's not the end of the world that's i think to be expected whether you're doing it what you think is 100 percent right today or not because chances are it's not 100 percent right three years from now
0: Hmm. really interesting so can you talk a little bit about who's doing these types of load managed situations all around we mm-hmm. know Actually, we're just really, I think it's starting to catch on that version three chargers are not a megawatt per cabinet, which is what I originally thought what everyone did until I think you shared with everyone that you're like, oh, I just pulled the specs on this. They're actually grid connected, or I should say, sorry, DC bus connected between charger to charger, and you can really share the power across the whole site.
1: Yeah, I don't know why no one realized this prior. I mean, it was hiding in plain sight. It's on the side of every single V3 cabinet. Yeah, that it only has a 600 amp connection, 430 amps maximum. Um, But if you start looking at site plans, which in a lot of cases are public record when they get submitted to counties and things for permitting, uh, you can see on their single line diagrams that they have DC buses between the cabinets. And you can also see that on the data label on the cabinets themselves that they can accept. They can either output or sorry, they can input up to 575 kilowatts of DC to the cabinet. So they have what they call a star center. That's the controlling cabinet. You can link up to three of them, at least as of today. And then you can have, say, four vehicles on one V3 cabinet, and three of them are getting full power, 250 kilowatts, and one's getting a little bit less. But realistically, that's probably never going to happen. But people were up in arms about Electrify America announcing their balance charging, which is... A 350 kilowatt or typically actually 360 kilowatt cabinet that could potentially be split in half, but you won't get less than 150 kilowatt. But Tesla has been doing this for years with a 350 ish kilowatt cabinet outputting to four vehicles. And no one noticed. No, because of that DC bus, because it's moving yeah. the power around as needed. And there's an expression I like to use. I don't know who had it first. And please, if I'm stealing from you, comment down below. I don't I would like to credit this to someone, but it's move power not cars. Smart.
0: I like that. That yes. is that is how every DC site should be managed or approached that saying yes. right there.
1: Yes, move power not cars. So have more power than or have more ports than you have power and statistically most people will be adequately served
0: right? You might get a very rare time where like everyone shows up completely dead. And you know what? They'll still all get pretty good power at that point. I, I, mean, I would they... much
1: rather be getting limited power than be waiting in a line.
0: Totally agree. hundred <laughs> percent. But what do you think about Tesla sometimes overboosting what they actually write on the tin? Do you think that they can over those v 3s somehow? Can they get more out of them?
1: Uh, so they can to an extent, but they're still limited by their grid connection. So they only have a 600-amp, 480-volt, three-phase connection to each one, which is, per NEC, about 360 kilowatts. So you could momentarily go up higher above that 430 and still be fine. Um, But they still have that pretty hard limit. There's either fuses or a breaker that will blow if you go over that. And one of the best ways to tell if a site is uh, load-managed Look at the transformer. Most of them have it written pretty large. Some of it, some of them have it actually labeled as XKVA. Yep. Others just have a large number without actually saying KVA after it. Kilowatt and KVA are not directly interchangeable, but they're very close.
0: We can do a power factor episode another time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they're very close. And for sake of this argument, if the KVA rating of the transformer is lower than adding up all the nameplates on the chargers either they're just taking their chances that it will never blow the main breaker or it's load managed and well, chances then, are it's load managed.
0: I think it's load managed for sure. And there have been times yes. where I've gotten slower charging on version two or mm-hmm. version three supercharging than I yes. would expect when there's a lot of cars and you're like, Oh, okay. But it's like, yeah, it's not that much. So anyway, I think mm-hmm. Tesla does it well, but ChemPower power is doing something similar as well. Mm-hmm. Aren't they?
1: Yes, they're doing it similar, but I think they're really missing an opportunity of having a DC bus between cabinets. Because, for example,
0: four posts, right?
1: uh, You can do up to eight posts, actually. Oh, eight posts. Okay. Yep. So, but that it makes it a bit complicated for if you want to build a site that's future proof. Because in theory, you would do one cabinet to start, you would do the full eight ports and Realistically, that'll probably be fine for a couple of years in North America. But say three years from now, as more and more EVs are on the road, you might want to add additional capacity to that. So you upgrade your grid connection, you add another cabinet, but now you're actually having to redistribute which cabinet those satellites are connected to rather than just adding another cabinet into the same cabinet and just having more power to share for the entire pool. You're essentially having to split it into two different pools. Which is that's what unfair. exactly what Tesla solved by having a DC bus.
0: Just leave it to Tesla to figure out how to do this stuff. I mean that's unfortunate, but they really got it down. Version three charging. I mean, is it's incredible. not even that
1: complicated either. Maybe like I look at a single great. line diagram for a version three supercharger site. It's remarkably simple.
0: Well, and they it's just, back just back a them single off connection. Too. They just they just yeah, put I them I on mean, concrete and
1: just yeah they have their PSU setup so prefabricated supercharger units. And they literally hook directly up to the transformer. It's just two four-inch conduits direct to the transformer for X amount of uh, PSUs. It's so simple and so elegant. Put some gravel, Mm -hmm. run some conduits, boom, good to go.
0: And so they're just doing it. It must be so much cheaper than anyone else. So much less hassle to get these things in the ground. And... Mm -hmm the best load management, the best activation time. So there's a huge opportunity. This is what I've been screaming. There's a Mm -hmm. huge hardware opportunity out there. Uh, Someone will make a lot of money if they can package a fully prefabricated DC fast charging solution uh, that can be expandable. Let's just say up to 12 units and then maybe do another Mm -hmm. one. Maybe you can go up to 16, whatever it is um, that you just plug into a transformer and you're done. That's what we need.
1: I would argue there's not an opportunity for that in the CCS world because Why? you have to have crazy long cables for that to work. Tesla can do it because all their charge ports are in the same location, so it work. The same configuration works in every site that doesn't but work. You just for CCS have back in
0: everywhere? Why couldn't that work? Everyone's able to pull in or back in.
1: No, but the ports are still on the wrong side.
0: Oh, because you'd have to add more room in between each charger in case ones on the right and ones on the left need to park next to each other.
1: Yeah, or you'd have to, or you'd have to like put it in the middle and then have a long enough cable to wrap around to either side, because then you have things like the Lightning or the E-tron that it's just basically in the middle of the car.
0: That's so annoying.
1: (laughs) So annoying. Yeah, and it rips. Tesla can do it because they control everything.
0: I still think there's a, there's a market for this. I think someone oh, can do it.
1: absolutely. It's just not as simple as it may seem on the surface. Tesla can do it because they control everything. And I just no. want to reiterate, implementing NACS does not solve any of these problems.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that, because we know that people will comment <laughs> about this. We've already done the episode where we're like, hey, yes. this is
1: great for literally just
0: plugging the car, nothing else.
1: Yes. Like you are still going to have all these other things we just talked about. You're not going to have a V3 supercharger magically from every other manufacturer just because they switch cables.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, So Brandon, I guess to finish this off, why don't you walk me through Mm -hmm. your dream site? I'm sure you've spent a lot of time thinking what's the ultimate, (laughs) you know, Brandon flash design. What chargers are you using? Mm -hmm. How are you managing the power? Are you going to have simultaneous or balanced charging, or is it a dedicated 350 kilowatt for each post? What's your dream?
1: So I think actually pretty close to the Sortimo Innovations Park that you made a video of on Out of Spec Reviews, where you have a big pool of power, essentially, um, and then you're just moving it around across a bunch of cables. You can either have slow charging, you can have medium speed, like 150 kilowatt charging, or you can have that. I need every bit of power 350 400 500 kilowatt as the market evolves power to that cable and you pay accordingly. So if you're if you only need 25 kilowatt, well, you're going to get I don't know, say 10 cents a kilowatt hour. If you're getting 150 kilowatt, you might pay say 30 cents a kilowatt hour. And if you're really in that much of a hurry that you need all the power that maybe you're paying 70 80 twenty a kilowatt hour in some crazy setup because realistically that matches the economics of how our DC fast charging, the cost of goods sold works. Because adding just additional kilowatt hour sold at a lower power level, it's pretty low cost on an operation side. Whereas having that crazy high peaky load, that's what's setting your demand for that month. And that's what's incurring the majority of the cost in a lot of utility tariffs.
0: So um, maybe we should have a whole nother conversation about how DC fast chargers need to be priced because I personally Mm -hmm. love the idea of charging more, the higher power levels you Mm -hmm. go rather than, Oh, do you have this membership that membership? It's just like, no, I want big boy charging. Just let me pay for it. Or Hey, I don't mind, Like I'm running a lunch. I'll take 50 kilowatts. I don't know. So yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that.
1: That's a whole different episode.
0: Yeah. Can't thank you enough for your insight. As always, we have a lot of charging topics. I mean, we have years worth of charging topics, even if we did two episodes a day. Um, but, but you know, and it's changing our audience, so fast. It's insane. I mean, every day there's news, there's this. I keep running into charging bugs. I want to talk about so many things. So, um, you know, yes. comment down below if you agree or disagree with brandon's assessment mm-hmm. on the sortimo fast charging park i love the idea not cheap mm-hmm. so <laughs> yep but i think it yet. could
1: be done on a simpler level with say a chem power setup plus some 350 kilowatt all-in-ones next to it so you have two of those mm-hmm. and then you have a 600 kilowatt pool with i don't know four or eight ports that's the simple version of that
0: totally agree there's a simplified city version but i think someone's <laughs> got to build some big ass charger here in america we need <laughs> we need to we need to lead the way here we've always we lead the way in so many technical things and charging we are last i mean everyone surpassed way us. behind yep so we got a lot of work to do here but thank you all for watching more charging <laughs> topics to come i mean so many more to come
1: <laughs> yeah we'll comment you what you want on- to see and join us on twitter
0: yes exactly we'll see you on another episode soon